Welcome to Killgown's Pub, the podcast where I, comedian Joe Killgown, like to sit back, have some drinks with people, and recap, um, you know, what's going on in the week and all that kind of good stuff. I'm totally fucking up the intro right now that I normally do <laughs> because my guest is wearing a t-shirt of my other podcast. Mm-hmm. So I almost went into that intro, everyone. <laughs> so that's why I'm screwing up. But if you're listening to the podcast for the very first time, welcome. It was what I do is I like to sit back, have some drinks, and just kind of, you know, recreate that bar conversation we all know and love. You can follow the podcast on Instagram. That's at Kilgallon's Pub. Also on Twitter at Kilgallon's Pub. Give myself a follow. I'm at Joe Kilgallon on everything. And I'm very excited for this one. I got an old friend. A dude that I could talk sports with for hours. A dude I could talk about a lot of stuff with. Mm-hmm. And you and I both had similar. We both were here. Then we went to California for a bit. Yep. Came back home. Ladies and gentlemen, Herb Lawrence. Thank you for having me, Joe. It's uh, great to be here. It's a great setup out here. You like it? Yeah. I, I can't believe it. Yeah. It's my producer, James Webb. Yeah, I mean, James is great. Thanks, These brother. mics are professional. This, this studio is excellent. I'm really going for it, man. I'm trying. Oh, man. It's you should great. see the green room. They've got uh, Pac-Man arcade game. And then you've got, uh, what, PS4? Everything. Yeah. Xbox, everything. A nice big L couch. I've napped on while waiting for other people's podcasts to finish. <laughs> Got to keep the kids happy, Joe. There you go. All right, man, dude. I, I want to talk about this real quick, though, because we were talking about radio before mm-hmm. we started doing the podcast. You know what song I heard on the radio the other day that I hadn't heard in forever? And being a Chicago guy, I'm sure you love this song. Okay. Or actually, being a human being, everybody should love this song. It's by one Jim Croce, and it's Bad, Bad Leroy Brown. Mm-hmm. That song, those of you who don't know it, pause the podcast right now. You go to you know Amazon, Apple, whatever your music source is, Spotify, and Jim Croce, Bad, Bad Leroy Brown. What's really fun too is if you ask ask Alexa to play it, those robots don't get like commas and stuff. So if I go Alexa, play Bad, Bad Leroy Brown, she'll say playing Bad, Bad Leroy Brown. Like there's no doesn't get that there's you're not supposed to say it a certain way. Anyway, what I love about that song is it's a good story. Mm-hmm. It's about this dude. He's six foot four. He's a, he's a badass. You know what I mean? Diamond rings. Yeah, it's the baddest man in the whole damn town. The right? whole damn town, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's a big town, too. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, when that song was written, I feel like, was that a tougher Chicago? Oh, real much, had to much be. tougher. A lot of crimes. Way more, way like, tougher. People are getting shot every day. People forget that. I think people listening now think, oh, Chicago's the worst it's ever been. No, it's just there's more platforms for people to complain about it. Yes. It's actually not as bad. I mean, of course, we would like to see it get better, mm-hmm. no doubt. But definitely in that period in which he's talking about Bad Bill Leroy Brown, and that dude, he must have had a good job because he had a he had an Eldorado, he had a Continental, yeah, he you know diamond rings that he wore upon everyone's nose, as I mentioned, right? Like, but the plot twist at the end of that song, I'm about to do a spoiler alert. That's why I want everyone to pause the, the podcast if you've never heard the song. At the end, so basically, all right, he's talking about how awesome Bad Bad Leroy Brown is. You know, he's six foot four. All the downtown ladies they call him treetop lover. All the men they just call him sir because they got they have respect. And uh, that guy, he started he was playing some pool. Oh, no, he was shooting dice. He was shooting, see him, he's a good gambler, too. Mm-hmm. That's maybe where he gets a lot of the money because they don't say what his job title is. He's a good gambler. He's getting all this money. He sees Dora, who's at the end of the bar. Mm-hmm. Dora's hot, right? You can't, of course. You can't, can't deny that. And uh, he goes over and starts flirting with her. Little does he know that you don't mess around with Dora because Dora is the wife of a jealous man. Yep. Right? And then the two start to fighting. They go down to the floor. When they pull them apart, who get, who gets fucked up? Who gets fucked up, Herb? Bad, bad, Leroy Brown. Yeah, not so bad. Got no. his ass kicked. Hey, man, that's what you get, though. <laughs> I mean, I think the size just intimidated a couple guys. Like, I'm not gonna, you know, step to this guy. But you know, he met his match that day. Finally, probably, I'd never heard of him getting any fights, though. 
No, you know, so I th- I, th- I get what you're g- hinting at with that. You're hinting that just because he was 6'4", nobody ever messed with him. Yeah. But really, he was probably a dude that if you gave him like a, a swift headbutt, he'd go down quick. I mean, I just look at my own life where I'm not that tall. I'm 5'10", but I'm wide and like 300 pounds. So I've only been in one fight in my life. I don't know if I can fight, and that was when I was 12. People probably see when I walk around, they're like, you know, I'm not going to mess with that dude. He looks intimidating. But I don't know if I can fight. And Bad Bad Leroy Brown probably didn't have any practice. You know who has practice? Five, six dudes. Yeah. everybody's challenging them. They've got the Napoleon complex, and so they got a, a, a short temper. And they know how to fight. Maybe they don't win them all, but they know how to get in a battle. That's if I got in a fight, I don't know if I would win. That's a great point. That's why some of my favorite fighters in both boxing and MMA are those dudes that weigh like 135, but yeah. they could throw hands. They're fast. Yeah. When I, w- when I was wrestling, I was 189 in high school, um, and the 105s, the 135s, they would kill me. They're technicians. They understood wrestling. They did IKWF when they were kids. I was just there to try to over- overpower them. They're like, no, nah, we got these moves, and you're going to put you in a chicken wing and make you submit. Yeah. Those technicians are the ones, those small ones who get into a little bit more scraps are the ones you got to look out for. The big ones, you know, you're probably just going to get one punch and you're done. The small ones at least got some endurance and got some, uh, some, some know-how. They yep. understand what the fight game is about. That's a great take because the big guys, like you said before, they get by an intimidation. People just stay away from them. Now, I was surprised at what you said. You said you had only been in one fight and it was when you were 12. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised because you used to work the door yes. at a very famous bar, one in which I actually, uh, podcast listeners know, I, I talked about, I got into a fight at this bar back in December, and that, can I say that? You don't care if I say yeah. that at the bar. Okay. Why would, you don't work there anymore. Yeah. Why would I care? Big City yeah, uh, on Belmont near Clark. Mm-hmm. Or Belmont Sheffield, actually. Yeah. And yeah, it's right there on the corner. What am I talking about? I forgot the address for a split, split second there. I, I got into a brawl there back in December. It was right after the Laugh Factory holiday party. A bunch of comedians went down the street there. And that's a bar that a ton of comedian friends of mine that live in Chicago will still drink at a lot. Yeah. Because so many, you know, if they go after, it's a 4 a.m. bar. That's why. Yeah. That's, One time I saw Horatio Sands there, just chilling. It, it, if, you're, if you're not in Old Town, yeah. you're going to go up to uh, Big City, I feel like. Because Laugh Factory's down the street there. And, you know, Wrigleyville, there's a lot happening. You never had to crack someone's head? No, no. They were... Strictly against actual fighting from us, uh, the bouncers, we ah. had to uh, like pretty much have to hold back and only get physical as far as picking people up and throwing them out if these people were resisting us or when we told them, "Hey, leave." They usually would leave uh, because we have a couple people around us. So what usually wasn't a one-on-one situation, but I have had a couple times when I had to pick guys up and leave. Um, when I lived, uh, let's see, closer to where Gamekeepers is at. Oh, yeah. I used to go to that um, bar when I was, like, 19. <laughs> yeah. we, Me, my friend Matt Weber, and his uh, roommate, Matt Peebles, were going down to the Domino's right there on on Lincoln, a little farther down. And back then, it used to be called Bacchus. There's a bar across the street, the apartment, if you know that. Oh, uh, yeah, totally. Those places there. Um, we were in the Domino's getting a $5 uh, and gone, and one other guy, Jeff uh, Meeks, was there. And my guy, Matt Peebles, had insulted this guy's girlfriend, coming out of the dominoes and so uh the guy punched matt weber who didn't say anything in the face and then right when that guy punched matt weber i took back to my bouncing skills and just grabbed the guy and put him against the wall now i didn't hit him i didn't do anything but he headbutted me and i felt like you know i was justified to beat his ass then but also i knew i'm black in this in this neighborhood there's probably a cops close to buy if i hit this dude they're gonna see that that's me going to jail luckily i didn't because there were cops like 
two minutes after that that came down the street. And before the cops showed up, my friend Peebles, who started the whole mess, while I'm holding this guy's arms behind his back and against the window, he's punching this guy in the, in the liver. Just <laughs> keep continuously punching him hard. And I know he's punching him hard because he misses a couple times and hits me uh. in the stomach. I'm like, stop. <laughs> And this guy and people the whole time you're gonna be pissing blood and just hitting him, hitting him. <laughs> I hope the guy who was I put against the windows listening. Firstly, the headbutt it was, was cheap shit. Yeah, and I should I should have beat your ass. But yeah, I didn't get in the fight then because I'm more of a pacifist. You know, if I can avoid fighting, I will. I'll talk it out. Don't own a gun or anything like that. But the twelve when I was twelve, I got in a fight because somebody hit me. Um, I was coming off the ropes, you know, we were doing WWF style, coming off the ropes with a double axe handle and hit him in the head, jokingly. He got offended, punched me, and then it was over. You took care of him then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was like two hits and he was over. It was a small guy. Okay, quick side note. I want to get back to the, the fighting thing with uh, working at a bar. What was your wrestling name? Um, you had to have one. If you did backyard wrestling, you had to have a name, right? I mean, like, not a, a specific one, but I used to pad my stuff over after uh, Mr. Perfect. Ah, okay. So, yeah. So Kurt Henning, R.I.P. Yeah. No, he's alive, right? No, he's dead. Oh, he's dead. Yeah, he's dead. You know, it's. I was really into wrestling. You know, as a kid, it, through all the way up until halfway into high school, and then I mm-hmm. kind of just like lost track of it. Right around the time WWE bought WCW, that's when I was like, I was out. Yeah. And I kind of missed most of the from 2000 to 2010. The Attitude Era. Yeah, I missed a lot of that, and then I came back. With kind of like CM Punk's reemergence and all that yeah. stuff, uh, Marty DeRosa has been on the podcast a few times. He's friends with Colt Cabana, so then I started following Colt's career, and I, then I got back into it. But I did do backyard wrestling. Okay. And but no, my point with that was that every now and then I talked to Marty, who's an encyclopedia about wrestling, like history and knowledge and everything. I'd bring up, I'm like, what happened to that guy? Dead. What happened to that guy? It's like it's eerie how many of these dudes that I like liked growing up are dead. I was like, what about Canyon? Remember Canyon? Oh yeah, he's dead. I'm like, yeah. every one of those dudes? Come on, man. But I had uh, two because we only had like five or six guys, mm-hmm. so we had to create all, you know alter egos. Everyone had to have two people. I had a mask in which I was serial killer. Okay, but I did not spell killer the correct way. <laughs> it was it was it was during the Master P era, so I had to do the K I L L A H killer. And then uh, I was instead of uh, Goldberg, I was Joeberg. So, but I didn't. It wasn't to make fun of Goldberg because yeah. I liked Goldberg a lot, and I know some. Diehard wrestling fans hated Goldberg because he wasn't actually good at wrestling. Yes. He was always botching moves. Yeah, hurting people too. Yeah, definitely. I, I remember Bret Hart telling a story where later he was like, you know, Bill Goldberg was a nice guy. He didn't really mean to do it on purpose. But when you have a dude that big accidentally hurt you, you're kind of like, fuck this guy, right? Mm-hmm. I liked that guy, though. I was always I always gravitated toward the big-ass dudes. Like, I liked Goldberg. I liked uh, Diesel, Big Sexy Kevin Nash. Mm-hmm. Like, those dudes I liked because they did, pow- they did like, the power finishers. Exactly. You know, what do I see? Chris Benoit do a diving headbutt? I don't care. Also dead. Uh, <laughs> kill yeah, his whole kill, family. Kill his whole family. My friend, my friend, I don't, I'm going to say his name. He said when it happened, like two days later, he's like, man, he killed a crossface everybody in the house and gave himself one after. <laughs> oh, God. That was actually a kind of a cool, the, the crippler crossface. But, yeah. yeah, like some of those dudes, unless you're like a Rey Mysterio, a lot of those finishers aren't fun. I remember that one dude, James, you're a big wrestling fan, too. What was his name? Billy Kidman? Yeah. That shooting star press was pretty badass. Yeah. Where you kind of it was like a flip, but you went out and then flipped the other way yeah. onto the guy. It always looked like he was going to do a Greg Luganis and hit his head off the turnbuckle there. <laughs> I never had. I just wondered, like, why would a, a belt shot knock people out, or Hulk Hogan's leg, or the people's elbow? These are easy moves. They're like 
Yeah. Typical moves and like, oh, I'm knocked out now. I understand with the sharpshooter, you're, but you're in pain. they're so powerful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you don't understand. The yeah. cool thing about The Rock doing the people's elbow was like the thing going back and forth, yeah. the showmanship of it. Though. Exactly. Hulk Hogan's leg, though, was one of the stupidest, worst finishers of all yeah. time. Look, it's a big leg. It's a big man. But he could have done anything else. Chris Jericho's new finisher is kind of terrible. <laughs> what is it? He just elbows you in the head. Mm. That's it? That's it. Yeah, he's not doing From a top rope? No. no, standing See, elbow. <laughs> That's oh, it. I, the rock bottom was good though. Oh yeah, that was cool. That was like a slam. And there's ways. I like any finisher that when you're going for it, the other guy could reverse out of it. And it makes you oh no. Like that's why the diamond cutter was so sweet. And now the RKO was that it would come out of nowhere sometimes. Yeah. Because sometimes someone would be. I remember when he was fighting. This was WCW days. Yeah. DDP was fighting the Giant. It was the big show. Yeah. And he had him. Uh, the giant had the choke slam getting ready for it. And as yeah. he was lifting him up, DDP like reversed into the diamond cutter. And everyone was like, Hell holy yeah. shit. It was because DDP was on the top rope. So he grabbed him from it. When he was going, he just switched it and then hit it. And everyone went nuts. And I lo- that was all of Diamond Dale's page. He would call for the diamond cutter, fail the first attempt, then get it the second yes. attempt. And everyone went home happy. Exactly. He, he gave was- the people what they wanted. And now Diamond Dale's page is more popular than he ever was doing this yoga. Doing that yoga stuff. Yeah, he's big time. Got Jake Snake back on the on his feet. Also, uh, that's great. Razor Ramon. Is Razor Ramon back on his feet because yeah. of ADP? Yeah, Scott Good. Hall. Yeah. Good, yeah. Yeah. I read about Scott Hall like back in the day when I was getting wrestling magazines. He was like pre-med at a like really good university mm-hmm. before he just quit to focus on wrestling. I, it's like a really bright guy. When they said he was just a regular white dude, I was like, what? He, oh, yeah, because you thought he was Spanish, Yeah, right? I was like, oh, the man, the machismo not, and shit. Yeah. Not <laughs> at all. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, of course he is coming out. And, man, they really sold it. <laughs> just extra, extra hair and the, they greased it up yeah, yeah it was terrible razor ramon what was the his finisher was cool too the razor's edge yeah, yeah. razor's edge so was great like a crucifix was, that he threw up yeah he was that's he was a guy i love too that's kind of like well i liked uh, lex luger's rack and just he was torture like rack and just putting people on their back and making them submit that the, was great the torture rack's one of the best finishers to do to a five-year-old if you have <laughs> like if you're ever around like a little kid mm-hmm. you could throw them on that and do that my son's two and i do it to him i don't want people thinking i'm evil because he's two speaking but. of people who are dead not my son. My son's alive, everybody. No. <laughs> They're both good. Sorry. Both- <laughs> Lex, Lex Luger was with Miss Elizabeth when she died. They were, really? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I heard he's in bad shape. I heard he's like his muscles are just years oh, yeah. of roids. Like if you saw him today, you'd be like, oh, he's you're a little guy. Yeah. You're pretty not- gaunt. Yeah. Like he's kind of like his jaw looks like it's going to fall. Like, kind of yeah. Roger Ebert looking in a way, which mm-hmm. is, yeah. It's not a fun look. Yeah. Like everybody's dead. Coco Beware, I think, is dead. No, he isn't. Sorry. Um, the, what's the guy? Um, Junkyard Dog's dead. Junkyard Dog yeah. died, died a long time ago. I'm sure Kamala's dead. Well, Anvil, uh, no, which one of the Heart Foundation died recently? Which one? Yeah, Jim. Jim. Jim Anvil. Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, He wasn't a brother, though. Was he a cousin? Was he Brett's brother or just a cousin? He was a brother. Was he right? a brother? I don't know. Wasn't Jim a brother? I think so. Yeah, wasn't that the the dad of... Natty. Uh, of the... Or uh, Natalia. Of the... Is that the guy who played football? Oh, no. Laronitis? Is he still alive? Oh, John Laronitis? John Laronitis is Laronitis still alive, is right? dating the Bella's, the Bella Twins' wow. mom. Yeah. Okay. Got to watch Total Divas, dog. Yeah, I get the, the Heart Foundation and the uh, Road Warriors mixed up sometimes. I don't uh, know why. <laughs> I don't Road know Warriors why. were Animal and Hawk? Yeah. Animal yeah. and Hawk, yeah. They're around. And one of them's dead, uh, isn't it? Are the Bushwhackers dead? 
No, they're both. They were. You could do a Hall whole podcast fame. going. Who's dead? Which they were one's dead? They're in the Hall of Fame last they're year. They're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah good for them. I'm surprised Liz is like, no. I know someone <laughs> diehard wrestling fans listening right There's now. There's a ton of angry nerds. Stop our killing our, Jimmy, our Jimmy boy, Hart. Chad McDaniel's gonna be like, what the hell right now? <laughs> our, our guy uh, Tom down in uh, San Antonio is gonna be pissed off too. He's a big wrestling guy. Yeah, um, I remember like at a time it was like Benoit died, then um, the guy from the Benoit's partner died like a year after that. Uh, Mexican cat. Forgot Eddie, yeah, Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero. I remember yeah. him dying. Yeah, that's he true. died after that. I was like, man, just people are just killing themselves. Or it's just it's a crazy lifestyle. They go like they travel insanely, and they don't really make. It's kind of like in comedy, you don't make much money at all coming up. Yeah, and then there's a little bit of a middle class, and then yeah. hopefully you pop off and you're making. Insane well, I think money. the median for WWE is like 50k a year. Ugh. Oh, for like the people who like are on the, TV, the low and oh, the cards. bare minimum. Yeah. Wow, and the bare this minimum is like, in like the dark baseball, matches, guys. 000. I think so. Yeah, okay. the main eventers and the superstars. Yeah, and that's a lot of travel. And are they getting their hotels paid for? The, those guys? I would think so. Okay, I think I know because I know famously Vince McMahon was cheap with that with those oh, yeah. guys. He's, he's come around. He's come around. That es- that expose with John Oliver show was like did such damage to Vince's image. He's got to come around. Oh, that's right. All right, listeners. Uh, last week tonight, the HBO show John Oliver. I remember that. That was like about a month or so ago. Yeah, he did this whole thing about how so underpaid good. those dudes are. Yeah. I it's mean, really a lot of, I mean, not to compare UFC to WWE because, you know, sorry, guys, it's very different. Right. But those guys are incredibly overpaid. A lot of boxers are underpaid, too. Yeah, I mean, I would do like Dave Batista did. Wrestle a little bit. Somebody finds you. You become a, a star. He wasn't that great of a wrestler. I mean, he, you know, battled for, I think he might have won a, a belt or two. But no one, if you say Batista to a lay person, like, I don't know who that is. Yeah. But then you say, oh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, that guy who was in that movie. Yeah, that's Dave Bautista. He used to be a wrestler. That's the that's the dream. You don't want to be like John Cena. Like, yeah, he's a popular guy, but he's still wrestling. And he's still doing movies. Like, leave the business. Get out. <laughs> he's not doing 52 weeks or anything like that. No, but, no, But yeah. he's on the roster. Like, you want to be The Rock, where it's like, yeah, that's the pipe dream. But that also, the pipe dream. I was going to say, Dave Bautista is the perfect guy. He's not that great of a wrestler. He was a big dude. But now he's a Hollywood star getting bad movies with uh, Camille Najani. Yeah, I saw <laughs> that does look like a bad movie, doesn't it? Have you seen the trailer for that? It looks yeah, really it looks bad. terrible. Yeah, it's called. Uh, it's like it's a playoff of Uber Stuber. Or yeah, something. yeah. Why, what does the ST stand for? Yeah, the Stuper or something like that. It's <sighs> yeah, it's terrible. terrible. But hey, but he was in Guardians of the Galaxy. Like you're money. saying, yeah, no, I, I definitely, he definitely seems like a guy who went in with a plan. Like I'm gonna make my name, which I know a lot of diehard wrestling fans would be like, no, screw that, you don't use our sport to get into acting. The way a lot of comedians hate it when people get into stand-up just to sell tickets or, you know, because yeah. there's a lot of, like, YouTube stars will try to get into stand-up or, or failing actors who will yeah. then go that route, like your screeches. Yeah. You know, you're like, what are you doing? Yeah, I we were just talking about this the other day. I'm sorry I'm gone off track. No, no, dude, this is what this is, bar talk. This but, is what you do at a bar. But the thing is, I saw, you know, I like Nick Cannon, kind of. I saw his comedy act. I was like, what the fuck? Who, what, who let him do this? <laughs> this is terrible. He's not good. The setup's bad. The punchline is horrible. It's mostly self-deprecating stuff about him and Mariah and how he's kind of a bitch to Mariah. We understood this. Give me more. Get, de- get, get a little bit more uh, personal. He's just doing surface jokes. Have a jokes. point of view. Yeah. yeah, like surface jokes. Give me. You've been fa- famous since you're 16. You don't have any relatable stories that you 
Nick Cannon, who was supposed to be kind of funny. I think he started as a rapper. Then he went to a comedian. I put those in quotes. And then <laughs> he got famous as an actor. And then he's you know, not getting as many roles anymore. And Now then, he's famous for not being married to Mariah Carey anymore. Yeah, I mean, his show, he should have stayed with that wild and out stuff. I know he still does it. But to get into the comedy game, I think it's an insult to guys like yourself who's like, yeah, we do this. We really do this. It's not a joke. It's not a game here. You don't, you just don't get a Showtime special and then it not be funny. I literally wasn't funny at all. I was like, this is ridiculous. That's very commonplace these days. I don't mind the people who put the work in. Like Brendan Schaub was a UFC fighter. And, you know, obviously you got to push from being friends with all those, the Joe Rogans, the Brian Callens and those guys. Yeah. And uh, But he puts the work in. When I was, I was in L.A. from 2014 to 2017, and I would see that guy out every every night. I mean, I don't really mean. I think I shook his hand once through someone saying, "Hey, this is Joe," and you know, but uh, like he wouldn't know me from Adam. But he was out. He was out putting in the work. So I give him a lot of credit for that. But then there's other people who think they could just float off their name. Mm-hmm. That's the people who kill me. What do you think of this chance the rapper showing up at Laugh Factory stuff? Well, he got he got humbled real quickly. Yeah, we even talked about that in the podcast. I don't know if you had heard. I didn't hear it. Chance the rapper went to the Laugh Factory's open mic. Okay, two weeks ago now. I yeah. want to say. And uh, so, you know, every Chicago comic was like, oh, chances off, chances off. Everyone's like, you know, telling everyone about it. I remember getting a text from someone saying, if you're nearby, chances going to one up in like five. I'll give Chance credit right away for going up at the open mic. Yeah. Because he could have easily showed up to a Saturday night show and said, give hey, me a could spot. I, could I pop up for five minutes? And I'm sure they would have said yes. Definitely. Which you could argue is that right or wrong. You know? It's, um, yeah. I would argue it's wrong. You would argue it's wrong, but I could see being in their position, it's hard to say no. Oh, yeah. Some big name. like the, I'm saying that he could have popped Sometimes, in a Saturday. Yeah. Gotta, so that was cool. I mean, that would have taken some guys five, ten minutes away, right? Yeah, totally Some would've. guy or girls, yeah. It That's happened before. I, I did spots at um, the Hollywood Laugh Factory when I was living there where a big name would bump somebody. Yeah. So luckily it didn't happen to me because I was up, up way later. Cause I was but was <laughs> it like a guy, who, a guy or girl that actually deserved that spot? Was it just some actor yeah. that wasn't like Michael Richards just shows up and I'm going to do a set? Or Jeremy Piven's doing it now. And, uh. you know, he's got a lot of the shit off uh, off the stage. I opened for, I was on one of the shows opening for him. And, you know, he was asking about how to, you know, he's like, because who knows why. But he tried to, he was saying that I was, I did, they asked me to do something at a fundraiser. And then through that, I was like, oh, I think I like this. And I got really into it. Okay. Coincidentally. The Me Too stuff came out right around the same time. Yeah. So it's like, did you go to stand-up because you were like, oh, no one's going to hire me for roles anymore now because of this, what's going on, right? I don't know. So I, I'll, give, I'll at least say this. I, and me and Kevin Bozeman, who's an amazing comic, we were both opening for him. And we were both like, just don't half-ass this, okay? Because you're going to sell a lot of tickets from your name. Mm-hmm. People are going to want to see you. Um, don't be that person who half-asses it and thinks that they could just coast off of a catchphrase or whatever. You just actually put the work in. And if he does that, then more power to you. But also, if you are groping women and being shitty, then fuck off. Get out of here, too. So, yeah. Uh, I guess it goes uh, both ways with that. With Chance, though, let me say this. He, um, This was a dick move on his part. He like Snapchatted or Instagram story about to go up next. All these comics have been shit, so I'm feeling confident. Whoa. Which is a dick move. Real dick move. Because but- you've got... 15 to 20 million. I'm going to get there. Hold on. All right. So that's a shit move because <laughs> all these 20 million, 30 million Instagram followers he has mm-hmm. are thinking, what the fuck, dude? I'm like in the comment. I see you. I saw you stamp or Instagram story that shit. What the hell? Then he goes up and he bombed. Of course. And then he wrote, actually, this stuff's really hard. I didn't mean to like, I wasn't putting anyone on black. You know, he goes, I didn't name anyone, obviously. I was just, I was trying to pump myself. He then, you know, walked it back. 
But I think a guy like that, anyone with really good mic skills, doesn't mean they're going to be funny, though. That's for sure. Yeah. But I think if you put the work into it and found like a, a way to – see, I don't know what to do with humor. I know, I know he's very skilled. I like his work ethic. I like his approach to the music business. But I don't know of him being funny. Like Will Smith, someone said Will Smith did stand up as part of that Will Smith bucket yeah. list thing. Yeah, and people were like, it was really good. Yeah, I, Will Smith's funny though. Yeah, so, I I heard that Blake Griffin's good at comedy. He Blake like, Griffin's funny. He's hilarious. Yeah, I've yeah. seen him in interviews though. These are there are certain people that I could see that translating. Right. For whatever reason, I was um, I got on a YouTube wormhole of Liam Gallagher interviews. You and okay. I both like Oasis. Yeah. He's hilarious in interviews. Mm-hmm. If someone said, "Hey, we want you to do stand up. Here's a few months to prepare because you know these, this someone will help you." put you in the right direction i bet he'll go up and have a pretty solid set yeah and he'll probably be like dry or just like just straight straight humor not not smiling i'll say you know what i fucking mean a lot yeah like jeselnik but english he's quick in the one interview they're like uh so you had a big hit and he goes of what like no your your latest song was a big hit he's like oh just like funny shit like that it cracks me up that's what i like about that british humor they just slide in the little stuff like that they get you and you guys know like comedy is not about being actually like I mean, it is about being funny, but it's not, hey, I'm funny. Let me get on the mic. Because you and you have, like, developed skills. You were funny before you got on there. You developed skills to tell a joke correctly. That's why I could never do it. I'm not a great storyteller. I'm not a good uh, emphasis on this word, emphasis on that word type of delivery wouldn't be right. You're great conversationally, though. Yeah. No, I listen to you on the score. Um, Lawrence, uh, Lawrence, Herb Lawrence, everybody. I don't know why I'm leading off that's, with Lawrence. Herb uh, was the executive producer on Lawrence Holmes show, now Joe Ostrowski's show. Mm-hmm. And if you're in the Chicagoland area, which is nice, 670, the score is 10,000 watts, everybody. So I've heard it in Michigan, Wisconsin, Indiana, mm-hmm. which I know I've got listeners in the Midwest, a lot in the Midwest. So definitely uh, listen to his work. And you'll, you'll be on there. You'll take over some weekend shifts, too. Yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, they'll throw me with uh, Mark Rohde, uh, Anthony Heron, or 10 to midnight if Julie's like far away or sick or something like that, I'll go on the mic once in a while and you produce cubs baseball yeah so that's like when they come back from commercial and there's music playing leading back to the announcers yeah you pick the song that's usually me yeah, yeah. I, well i mean monday through friday you say it's me a lot of nirvana I yeah some nirvana which I'm, yeah. I like i'm a fan i'm a fan of uh nirvana i'm a fan of all 90s like grunge alternative music see this is what i want to talk about with you as well because i was i got i get accused of this every now and then mm-hmm. because i consider myself very new school in a lot of ways mm-hmm but then I become an old man when I talk about things being better in the 90s. Yes. I think you could be both. And I like to give the example of, wait, wait a second, everyone. I could admit that television is the greatest it's ever been. But just because I think music was better 20 years ago does not mean I'm some old man. Music could be great five years from now. It could be the best it's ever been five years from now. I don't know. But if I'm looking at it through my own ears and through an era, I just think, and I know, I feel like you're the same way. Yeah. I mean, the 90s are undefeated. Just think about that music. Like, Every genre was at its peak. Yes. Like you had uh, hip hop music was at its peak. You know, groups, uh, NWA, just are at the tail end of that. Ice Cube out of that. A uh, tribe called Quest, uh, LL Cool J. You had a lot of good people. The grunge era started right then. Just everything. Uh, New Jack Swing started then. All the stuff that you're hearing now is just played off of that, that era, pretty much. Like they're sampling from there. I mean, I know that people forget Jay Z actually started at the end of the like, yeah, 90s. in the nineties. Yeah. yeah, and I, I know that people think that you know all these movies are cool. Those are pretty much they're redoing all the the nineties movies. Oh yeah, Lion King, Aladdin, everything yeah, like Toy that. Story's Toy Story coming back out like this. These I saw are, Toy Story four twice now. I've seen it twice. Yeah, like the nineties were the greatest era ever, and right behind it were the eighties. 
I'm, I'm sorry. 80s are great music, too. The music's kind of I more like 80s, weird. but I feel like uh, I'd almost go 60s, second to 90s. Okay, I wouldn't. Personally. I don't, I don't like older music. The 70s, more of a jazz, groovy, funk music. There's some yeah, 60s that's good. is more doo-wop, doo-wop. Nah, I think that's more 50s, right? Is late it? 50s. See, I think of 60s like the whole, like 64 Beatles? to 69. Yeah, because the, you have the Beatles in Hendrix. the 64, 65, which was just great pop music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my two-month-old son, I was playing music for him, and we played Beatles, and he was loving it. You know, I was like, he's two months, so he can't move, so I'm like making him dance with his hands and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and it was... We're playing Hard Day's Night by the Beatles, Can't Buy Me Love, you know, She Loves You, or Eight Days a Week, whatever that song's called. And I'm like, this is like just great pop music. I want to yeah. consider it rock and roll. But then the Beatles slid into rock and roll mm-hmm. when they had like Helter Skelter and like the White Album and like all those kind of cool or like a little bit, some of them darker or heavier songs. And then you had Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, who just, as much as I like, stole so many, so much of their music from like old dudes musicians. And then you had that kind of like almost the beginning of what turned into punk rock. In the late 60s. Okay. Um, well, the great guitar music, too. You had Jimi Hendrix and then uh, Vaughn and um, who, uh, Clapton. So you're like these tremendous guitar soloists and everything like that. But yeah, you're right. The 70s definitely had that like cool, funky sound. I, yeah, this, I didn't more, like disco, though. More like Revolt. Like it was like uh, uh, Sly and the Family Stone. Um, Michael Jackson's f- first couple albums were during that. Uh, Prince's first couple albums were during the 70s, early 80s. Just more of a, a bass-driven rock, so I like. By the like way, if, if you want to get cheap vinyl, you could get Michael Jackson vinyl real cheap these days. Wow. I was a new record store open in my old neighborhood, and they had um, Off the Wall. Mm-hmm. You know, it's used records, though, but it was Off the Wall for a dollar. Wow. And I think, you, cause I think these record stores are usually owned by pretty progressive people who are like, I don't want to support this anymore, so I'll just here's a bu- buy, give me a buck or something for it. I mean... That music's still undefeated. It's I mean, right? I mean, you could sell it for if you, if you really want to, you know, take a message, just give it for free. To sell it for a dollar is ridiculous. That's just because yeah, I mean, it's, it's still for, great music. You know, people are gonna buy that off the wall. I'll buy that album just just for shits and giggles. On I'd that buy one. for the cover. Yeah, it's just, great. Yeah, I, I mean, and Thriller with the the tiger on it, perfect. I don't understand why with Michael Jackson. We went from loving it, and then the HBO documentary comes out, and I think it's just Twitter. It's the Twitter age, yeah. right? Yeah, because this stuff was kind of known, and like it's either you knew it already and didn't care, or you knew it and wanted somebody else to substantiate it or to say, oh, yeah, this happened to me. Like He actually got sued by two people, and he beat both of those cases. Like He paid a kid off and his family. I don't know what came of that. Rumors that that kid said it it didn't happen. Whatever. Yeah, there's the one. The one kid later said my parents made me lie. Yeah, and then the other family they also had like the mother one time slipped on some like juice in a grocery store aisle and sued them. Where the surveillance camera showed that she dumped it out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like you never want to say anything that makes it seem like you're not taking victims seriously. Yeah, but like I, I made a, a choice a long time ago because I thought. More than likely, Michael Jackson did something untoward. I don't know if these all these stories are correct, but I made a choice. I mean, the choice that people got to make with Elvis, the choice they got to make with Woody uh, Allen, the choice they got to make with Roman Polanski's movies. Was Elvis a molester? Did he do I mean, something bad? I mean, he didn't molest anybody, but like he met Priscilla Presley when she was twelve. Oh yeah. Pretty much groomed her up until she turned of age, and then 
Yeah, dater. That's, that might be. I mean, no Jer- offense, Southern friends. That might be a weird cultural thing yeah. back then. In that, in Jer- Jerry Lee times. Lewis, the same thing. Pretty much married his cousin. Yeah, she was like thirteen, right? Yeah, that's pretty. Creepy. So you have to divorce yourself from. Hey, this guy might be a bad person, or might have done something bad. But this art is great, or her art is great, and so that's what I do. I. It's not great. It's not a a a very good thing for me as a liberal person to say that. But I feel like. I wouldn't listen to any music. Like, R. Kelly's music's still undefeated to me. It's still great. I got to say that. People who make genius-level stuff, which is why I think I'm just below genius as a comedian, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, they they all seem to have something a little screwy with them. I mean, not not all of them. Obviously, there's some people that you're like, oh, they don't really have any black marks on their record or anything like that. Um, Prince was kind of a big homophobe. From what I've read about was he? him, I mean, yeah, is that from well, the he was, um, Jehovah's Witness? Yeah, yeah, they're kind of notorious for that. And he had some like quotes in like 2008. But some of this stuff gets swept under the rug. There's a famous Chicago actor that is very beloved. That I don't even want to. I don't want to. Can I guess this Chicago actor? You could guess it. I just don't want to. No, why? Why do I give a shit? You guys have Google. Bill Murray. Bill Murray, I think, was accused of beating his first wife, but no one ever talks about it. I mean. She wrote in the divorce settlement. Okay, see, no one ever hates Bill Murray. There's not a person alive. I'm a huge Bill Murray fan, so it's weird to even say that out loud. Yeah, you uh, have to, like, I think you have to divorce person from art uh, unless you just want to not like anybody because I'm not Michael Jackson's friend. I never will be, and I don't know what he did. More likely than not, in my mind, he did something untoward to either at least one kid. Too much smoke, too much fire. And so I gotta say, yeah, I wasn't hanging out with the guy, but tell me if when you, you were, you would have done something about it. Yeah, Herb. yeah. Tell you me, said, hey, when you let thrill- he's five, damn it. Yeah, when you let Thriller roll, you ain't you ain't bobbing your head. You're not getting on the dance floor. Dude, tell that me- song. If you if Billy Jean comes on and you don't instinctively toe tap to the beat, there's yeah. something wrong with you. I feel like exactly. And it's so, too good. So yeah, I got this here. I'll, I'll I'll summarize it for people listening. If you feel guilty about listening to Michael Jackson, only listen to Off the Wall. And thriller, because odds are he wasn't doing molesting yet. Exactly. Because that, you know, he did off the wall, he was 21. Thriller, he was 23, going on 24. Mm-hmm. And definitely the Jackson 5 stuff. There's no way he was molesting when he was he six and didn't seven. Ha- didn't have any time. Didn't, no time. Joe was whooping his ass or he was on stage. One of the two. Talk about beating someone into a finely tuned musician. Oh. Right? <laughs> like, hey, I, I, I want to know, like, I was like, I like the childhood I was in, but, you know. If my father would uh, whoop me and my uh, five other brothers, four other brothers and one younger, into a stardom and move me out of p- bullshit as Gary Indiana to Hollywood, I might have to take that as a thing. I mean, it's, Jermaine Jackson, look at his hair. Is it's a trade off? Yeah, yeah. He, right now, he'll be working in the in the steel mills instead of having that glorious hair that he has. That is why it's a it's like a pompadour yeah. in a weird way, right? Yeah, it kind yeah. of poofs over. In yeah, a way. and it's yeah. just like. Grease all over it. And Janet. Although, did he beat the daughters? Did oh, the daughters he, get beaten? No, he, he beat them like they stole something, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They used to, I mean, in the movie, he pretty much almost beat the hell out of Rebe because she uh, was talking to a boy. <laughs> yeah. And she went, She got married to a guy because she wanted to leave the house immediately. She got married like when she was 18. I remember seeing that movie when I was in grade school about Michael Jackson's, you know, growing up. And... That's when I first heard the term switch. You call a stick a switch? Yeah, a switch. I yeah. never heard that until oh, yeah. that movie. Yeah, I think maybe that's a black thing. because That must be, right? Yeah, because my mom's like, go and get, get out and get a switch. And you didn't want to get a small one because she'll she'll wear you out with that one even more because 
you know, you now, I've heard, want of, the I've heard of parents saying, you know, pick the weapon in which I'm going to beat you with. Yes. It's so crazy psychologically to do to a child. Yeah. It's so funny. Like, I, I joke about it on, on my latest album, everyone, which you could stream for free on Spotify or Pandora or buy it on Apple. That'd be even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that. It was always like a friend of mine that would say, I turned out just fine. And then they would tell stories of their dad being the shit out of them. And it's like, dude, you are far from fine, man. We yeah. all know it. Yeah. And it's not like I, I wouldn't do this to my kids. Uh, I've moved past the actual, hey, whooping is the way to go. But, you know, the I turned out fine thing is kind of weird. It's uh, like, uh, oh, I had this. It's anecdotal. I had this, so I'm good. So my child will have this and he'll be or she'll be good. I don't. I don't feel that will be the the way when if I have kids. I think I'll just be more stern, uh, hard looks and disappointment. And discipline's discipline. important. Discipline is the key. I've realized. I've thought about it so many different ways. I've gone back and forth, come along you because know, I have a two year old and a two month old. Where it's like how because so, someone had this quote the other day where it's it's from the grandparents' perspective. If you're a grandparent. If you raised your kids, you get to spoil your grandkids. Yes. But if you spoiled your kids, you'll have to raise your grandkids. Meaning you'll have to step in and fix it because you raised shitty parents. Yes. Which I, I subscribe to that. But what people also forget is, I'll hear people say, well, sometimes you got to hit the kid. What did you do wrong to lead to the point where you had to hit? It's a lot of steps had to go wrong. You had to have screwed up so many different ways to yep. the point where you're like, well, I've got no other choice but to smack a child. Exactly. That's Yeah, it seems like really really barbaric when you think about the actual act that you're doing to your child the person that you raised you, you gave love to you should you are the teacher you are its first and probably initial or only teacher until it's like five so whatever it's doing the child's doing that's your fault totally Ch- children are looking for boundaries like anybody they're looking for what can i do oh i can't do that cool I need a correction. You as a parent need to correct that at the time. Positive reinforcement and know that, hey, this is not what we do, Johnny. This is not what we do, Susie, without violence. Because then that kid will turn to violence as a, th- as a, a problem solver. Yes, and I would so, agree with that 100%. And, and so that's what you need to instill in your kids is like, yes, we don't hit people because they – you know, mess with us or they messed up and didn't do something that we liked. We correct that action. We at least let those people know that what you're doing is wrong. It's making me upset. And what you need to do is correct that behavior immediately or there'll be consequences. And the consequences won't be physical punishment. It will be, I'll take something that you like away from you. You'll have to sit in some uh, confinement where you have to think about what you're doing. You have to read a book to learn exactly what's going on with your life and how, uh, your actions affect your future life. Things like that. I would. I got in trouble in third grade for I don't know. I was like, but you had none, sir, right? No, I went to a public okay. Chicago public grade school. I went to a CPS for grade school, and then high school. I went to an all guys Catholic high school. We didn't have nuns. We had Christian brothers. Okay. And by high school, they weren't that strict. I okay. mean, they would. The teachers could like kind of hit you. Yeah. Like if you fell asleep in class, I remember getting belted with a tennis ball once, being like, "What the fuck? Like Jesus. that actually hurt." Jesus, you know, you could have hit me in the shoulder, <laughs> dickhead. You know, uh, but. They were uh, they were pretty cool. As if you were respectful, they were respectful to you. Everyone's got along pretty well. I mean, they would be like tucking your shirt and that type of strict. Yeah. But I remember um, in third grade, I think I was, you know, being a class clown, which just makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. And um, my dad took away Super Nintendo until I got like better marks on my next report card. Wow. And I 
that's I stopped being in video games after that. I just I I because I didn't play it. I didn't have it at home for like you know six months from like what January to June, Jeez. and I just wasn't. I didn't get back into video games until. I think like college, I remember going to visit some friends down at uh, Eastern Illinois University and they were playing Mario Kart. Yeah. And I was like, let me get on this. And I hadn't really played Mario Kart much, the mm-hmm. 64 one. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is fun as hell. And I just got really into it. And then when I went back home, I bought like a used one and started playing it. And then with Xbox, I play like NHL. And oh, Xbox, I had MVP baseball, which oh, I, yeah. next to RBI baseball, the second best baseball game of all time if you ask me yeah that's is that the one where you home run derby in weird places and you could hit like boots in the back or, yes they had like a home run derby where there was like a junkyard and you could hit like a school bus and get 50 yeah. extra points and it was great i would always play david ortiz big poppy was the best in that um i do want to talk about this with baseball with you because we're talking about new school old school type of stuff right now there's a big thing in baseball's culture mm-hmm. regarding showboating i yeah. want whatever you want to call it bat flips all that kind of stuff now, uh, there was a fun incident, kind of fun. It goes both ways, I suppose. Wilson Contreras with Tyler Flowers, mm-hmm. ex-White Sox catcher. You're a big White Sox fan. Yep. Uh, that was weird on Flowers. Uh, like, I don't know what he was doing there. I've never seen a catcher really get involved with that. Hitters talk to umpires all the time. All I don't know time. why he he kind of chimes in. Just to summarize for all of you baseball fan, non-baseball fans listening, I should say. If you're a baseball fan, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, there was a... The umpire was kind of inconsistent. Ball was a little high. Contreras kind of talks to the ump, being like, ah, it was a little high, you know. And Flowers kind of chimes in. No one knows what he said. Next pitch, Contreras goes deep to right field. Mm-hmm. And right when he hit it, he looks back and swears, says something. You got to be like, be like a fuck you to yeah. him, to the catcher. And then kind of rounds the bases, you know, kind of jacked up, you know, waving his fists around and stuff, which I love. I like that. Me you know, too. I love all the Latin players because they're, they're, they're fun. They play the game like like kids should play the game. Exactly. Like, we're getting millions of dollars. I don't know how professional athletes don't every now and then be like, dude, we're getting $10 million. Oh, my God. Like, just why? They should be more giddy every fucking day. Oh, yeah. Steps on home plate. Flowers is saying shit. And you just see Contreras, like, back, like, fuck you. Fuck you. Just you could read his lips. He's clearly saying fuck off. Mm-hmm. And then um, there was just a little kind of benches came out. Nothing happened. You know, I always love the bullpen pitchers running in yeah they're probably like oh we know this is not gonna be anything they do it for show it's like all right it's a good jog it's the one time we get to do anything in the second inning yeah we got to show our teammates that we're with them we got to come out here fucking 600 yards to to show support and then be behind people and then go back and then it starts up again but yeah i love that type of stuff i love talking shit when you hit a home run i love bat flipping as long as i mean not even as long that's your opponent f them i don't care about showing them up I just did something good. Now, as a play, if I was a player, I would temper that because I know unless it's a walk-off or something like that, they can get me back. And the last thing I want is some, some payback, especially – I don't know if you saw the game with uh, Louisville versus – I think it was um, Vanderbilt, uh, the college baseball. There was a pitcher who struck a guy out, and then he just started saying, fuck you. Fuck you. I saw that, yeah. dude. And so I remember like, everyone tweeting going, like, I hate this guy. And everyone's like, I fucking love this guy. Yeah. And then the next inning, he pitched again, and they walked it off. Uh, Louisville walked it off on them, and they won the game. And that guy, you could see him in the in the bench, on the bench, just looking at them winning and cheering and shit. I was like, Yeah, you don't want things to bite you in the ass. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Like, I would hit the home run if I were up, like, uh, like Wilson Contreras did versus the White Sox. The grand slam in the first inning. It was the first or second? First inning against uh, Gilio. Gilio. Hit the home run. Pimped it, walked it, then flipped the bat. I was like, man, I hate him because he's the one against my team, but that's smooth as hell. That's I do. Real, I like that good that's a real um, look. I like a good bat flip. Yeah, I'm weird with this. Now, here's where we might disagree a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
I kind of like both. I love bat flips, but every now and then if a pitcher, as long as it's not at their head, obviously I don't want that, but every now and then if a pitcher wants to put one in someone's ass, uh, the baseball that is everyone, that kind of is funny to me. Like what Pedro Strope did with Puig, that oh, made yeah. me laugh because they were pitching around him and Puig talked shit from the batter's box. Yes. That makes me think, nah, if you're going to talk shit from the batter's box, go ahead. Now, if Puig would have pimped a home run and then his next time up he got hit, that would yeah, be like, fuck off, dude. Yeah. Strike him out. Yeah, because Puig knew, um, and it was a nice breakdown. I think it was by John Boy on uh, uh, Twitter. Puig knew that he was pitching around him, and that's fine. It was, the game was pretty much over. First he, base was open. Yeah, he didn't want to mess with him and said, okay, here's three balls that I'm not. you're, you're not going to hit unless you get yourself out. Puig, get out of the batter's box. He's gesticulating, talking shit. That guy's a pussy. He looked and at Madden Contr- even. Con- yeah, Contreras is seeing him doing all this stuff, and so – Contreras gave him the fist. He gave uh, he gave yeah. Strope the fist. That must be the ma- the must thing to be. say. Hey, hit. and they didn't they didn't deny it. They no, did not he didn't. deny it. Him right in the ass. Strope's like that guy's an, that guy's a dummy. Yeah. He's a stupid player. That's he why said he's a fucking idiot. Or he called him stupid. Yeah, he said stupid as fuck. Yeah, that's a uh, that'd be a quite a good fight there. Puig's got about ten to fifteen pounds on him. They're mm-hmm. roughly the same height. Mm-hmm. You know that John Boy does great breakdowns. I like his stuff a lot. But on that one, he was kind of making it like. Strope wanted no part of it, but if you watch the video again, they're both walking towards each other. Oh no! And Strope he... only took a step back to to kind of almost get in position to be like, "Are you coming?" Yeah. But I didn't. It didn't look like Pedro. Pedro wasn't no. walking away. It didn't no, look like he wanted all the smoke. Yeah, definitely for sure. And Puig, like he said, he wasn't like he had clear time to go out and get him. He had clear time. Like there was no Contreras going up and getting him. It was oh, we're free. Cool. Come on, come on through. Let's fight. And Puig has already gotten a fight this year. Yeah, he's already been spending ones. So yeah, yeah, got got crazy after the Derek Dietrich home run, which I love Derek Dietrich for being like a bum most of his career, and then this year kind of showing out and then pimping every home run, every single one of them. I'm in for that. I Just am. I'm in for the, the pimping of the home runs. I'm in. I'm, I think it's fun. There's got you got to vary it up a little bit, do it in different ways. So let me uh, let me follow up with this. So I remember listening. You were producing Lawrence Holmes show at the time yep. with the Tim Anderson thing, which mm-hmm. I, he's a very fun player. I like Tim Anderson a lot. Uh, I like I was saying before. I subscribe to it's both kind of fun. I don't like the retaliation hit yeah. at all. I'm not really into that. But I like anything that could possibly lead to benches clearing because it's entertainment. I kind of find it funny to be like, oh, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So people will say, well, a pitcher, if you don't like the guy pimping the home run, strike him out, which I agree with there. Yes, and then you can do your own celebration. Mm-hmm. But then you think about it though with pitchers. They can't really pimp every strikeout because if Max Scherzer strikes out 16. He's tired. His arm be broken. Uh, you you know what I mean? his arm. Well, would, you, would you just do a fist pump? Yeah. That's kind of boring. What could a pitcher do? Let's, let's brainstorm right now. What could a pitcher do besides your typical fist pump that Kerry Wood had just struck out 20 fist pump, which was cool as hell when he did it, of course. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But, like, there's got to be – because they can't flip their glove. That looks like little kid shit. That's, not, like a, like, that's nerdy. Do it like a karate kick. What if you hump them out? What if you just get down – and just hump the rosin back. Just, just give him like three, four quick pumps or just, however many strikeouts you got. Yeah, for each strikeout. So if you strike out one guy, you do one pump. And then if you get up to two, you do two. So if you if you have a game like Max Scherzer, he's struck out 20 before. He's done a carry water, Randy yeah, Johnson, Roger fucking, Clemens. He's fucking busting at so, 16. So after, yeah, dude. Yeah, he's <laughs> done. Dude, because that much cha- – like, you know, cups are hard on you. But I, I've, when I was like 12 years old, I got a boner with a cup on. Oh, yeah. You ever get a boner with a cup on? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's awkward as hell. It is. Did you play uh, sports just, with a cup just, on? Just yeah. off. Oh, yeah, because yeah, you don't know what to do. Do you flip the cup up? or Because it kind of keeps the boner down, but you don't want your dick below the cup because what oh, if you no. get a, a wicked grounder? Ugh. 
You get a ground ball with eyes and it gets your fucking Cyclops. That's not fun. Yeah, it's hitting your dick and then it subsequently hitting your nuts. Yeah, because it's a ricochet effect. Yeah. I remember being a little kid when I first put a jock strap on in the cup. I didn't think the cup made sense because it gets smaller at the balls. Mm-hmm. I thought it should get wider at the balls, but I was a little kid. I didn't realize, oh, well, you need to run, idiot. So it can't be like that. Yeah. So that's why. Because when you think about it, like, the cup is like almost like if you people watching, if you're watching on YouTube, it's like this and it comes down. And it gets real narrow there, but that's to cover your dick, which is over the balls. Yes. But it still felt like the ball should have some breathing room. It always. I didn't wear – that's weirdly enough. I didn't wear a cup when I played football. Wore one all the time when I played baseball. Football, I didn't wear a cup either. I was a receiver slash tight end, and then I played, like, uh, free safety. So I didn't really feel like it was necessary. I mean, I know those piles got really – you know, in high school, it wasn't that bad. I've only had a couple skirmishes in piles. But, like, if they wanted to, and knowing all my people didn't wear cups, man, it could have been a brawl down there. I know it, it would have been bad. I know a lot of football players who didn't wear cups. Because it's a breathing thing. Hockey, you fucking have to. Oh, yeah. Because that puck comes 100 off the, off the blade, you yeah, know? You can be you can be a celibate for, for life or not celibate. You can have no kids for life. That would be, be a sad situation. All right, let's switch to NBA here a little bit. Um, the Kawhi Leonard has now. I'm checking my phone to see if it's, he's announced yet. NBA free agency is going on right now, and yep. yeah, Kawhi Leonard still hasn't announced. Uh, do you think he's going to LA? You think he's gonna be a Laker by the time this podcast is over? We're gonna find out shortly. I think all signs are pointing to the Lakers, but also I think that he's different, and he might just you know NWO it and go to the Clippers. That'd be and kind of fun. Just like he'd be like, I'm going to LA. Clippers. I love that. That'd be great. Play yeah, little Hendrix. Yeah, and like. I don't know the fit there. Like uh, Kawhi is a uh, is a ball in the hand guy. Uh, Anthony Davis can be not a ball in the hand guy. I know LeBron is a ball in the hand guy. Like he's Kawhi's not a spot up shooter. No. Yeah, I mean, he's really not. It's I mean, good. he can. It, he can pull for a three here or there, but that's not his game. Yeah, but like I don't know if he's gonna be willing to be the third. third I don't wheel. think he's the third wheel on that. You team. think he's the second? I. Th- well, maybe if the, we're being honest. If if you really look at that team based off of this past season, okay. LeBron James is the third best player on that team. Wow. I know people are going to be listening, going, "No, wow. fuck that." People did not really. LeBron James is, does play does not play defense anymore. Now, some people could say, "Well, because he has to conserve himself for offense, he's at that stage in his career." He really hasn't played the last four seasons. If you really look deep into the numbers, mm-hmm. I'm surprised basketball, like baseball, if you're a baseball fan at all and you're not hip to sabermetrics and checking fan graphs and those stats, and not that they're everything, but they're a lot. Yeah. But on the basketball side of that, and the NBA is so popular right now, mm-hmm. but I feel like NBA fans never quote win shares. They never quote uh, per 100 possession stats. They never quote any things like that. No, no. Where if you really look at those stats, he on the defensive side of the things, he's really dropped off. He's still averaging 27 points a game, mm-hmm. which on a bad team isn't as impressive. No, like, somebody's got to score. Someone's got to Thank you, Herb. You get it. Because mm-hmm. some people are like, he, he scored. Like, I remember um, Gordon Hayward. I'm like, he's, he's a good player. So I'm like, dude, 26 points. I'm like, that team needed someone to score points. Yeah. I mean, Utah's a much better team now, almost without him. Yeah. So anyway, though, I think Kawhi Leonard, because he plays both ways and does it so well, and he's one of those dudes where, yeah, his assist numbers are pretty low, but – People forget assists are a lot about team construction. Yes. If you're – I remember someone saying, like, look at this one season. Jordan only averaged four assists. And I'm like, yeah, because when they hit, when they passed him the ball – It was shooting time. It was shooting time. They yeah. were, he wasn't passing yeah. it back. He wasn't passing to Orlando Woolridge. A great <laughs> example of that is um, Pippen and Horace Grant were both hurt in their – it was like the 89-90 season. Okay. 
They missed 12 games, both of those guys, I think. So the team construction changed. Jordan played point guard for those 12 games. 11 triple doubles in 12 games. Baby. Still, like, yeah. yeah, because the rebounds. He had to. Yeah, rebounds and assists are like, they're great stats. I'm not diminishing them, but a lot of those counting stats could get inflated depending on the team construction around you. Yeah. Derrick Rose's rookie season should have averaged 10 assists a game. You know why he didn't? Because the rest of the Bulls couldn't shoot for shit. They had a terrible team field goal percentage. Like, I don't know. I just get annoyed when fans don't look beyond what's in front of them. Yeah. Like, LeBron James could average a triple-double if he wanted to every Easily. day. Easily. But he's not. He's like, I'm not going back to get that rebound. Just give me the ball. I'll bring it up. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, getting rebounds, if you're LeBron James, is not a hard thing. It's, the triple-double stat, though, has gotten crazy. Though. Yeah. Like, I mean, everybody's getting one. Like, average one. Who averaged one? Like, LeBron uh, Russ, averaged one um, in, the, in, the, in the finals. Yeah. Westbrook has averaged um, a couple. In the last two Harden seasons. Harden nearly did. LeBron nearly did. Uh, you, you know, it's not. I read this. I, or I heard it. It might have been on, on your station, the score. Lance Stevenson led the NBA in triple doubles in 2013 with four. Jeez, four. That's not a lot. We're only five years later from that. Five, six years later, and people are just, and people are having, people are getting thirty to forty a season. Yeah, it's just commonplace. A guy is averaging one for the whole season. It's more possessions, so you're getting more assists, more rebounds, more chances, and everything like that. I like, I love the sport of basketball. I just NBA free agency is starting, and this is where I become an old man again, like with music. And but we're right though. We're not old men. We're right. The nineties is just better. Yep. Hip hop was better. Alternative was better. It just oh man. I was I, I watched that um so I'm getting sidetracked. That Spider Man into the Spider Verse. I saw okay. that. I know you're a big fan of that movie. It's a good movie. It's great. Some of the songs I thought sucked. And I know people were like, No, this is what's the new cool hip hop songs right now. And I'm like, where's the like the where's the part of the song that makes you like go, Oh, this is a fucking anthem? Yeah. I don't hear anthems anymore. Like Tupac and Biggie, those songs were anthems. Mm-hmm. Um, Nirvana, Oasis, there were people were writing like songs that I mean, you put your fists up to. I mean, you play the first four, the first couple chords of "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Everybody, everybody, everybody. is on fire. I like, heard "California Love" recently. hadn't heard that in a couple decades. I know some yeah. people think that's that song's okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is a beat. Yeah, like the first drum beats of "Poison" from uh, Belle Biv DeVoe. You hear that drum, you're like, oh, oh, let's go. It's it's time to go. That is that's a fun song to dance to. Yeah. There's the episode of Scrubs where uh, Turk, Donald Fajon's character, does like yeah. a dance to it. Mm-hmm. And I've always tried to mimic that dance if that ever comes on when I'm out. Uh great song. Poison. That girl I can't sing. But uh what was that what was I on about? And we're gonna wrap up in a little bit because I'm about basketball work. free agency. Yeah, basketball free agency. So I'm gonna quote my cousin here. I'm gonna text the thread with several different people, but we got a sports one going on. And he made a great point. He goes, No playground in America. Do they let the best players play with each other? Because it wouldn't be fun. No. If you're playing pickup ball, you wouldn't be like, no, no, you're not fucking really. Oh, yeah. Davis, LeBron, Kawhi, fuck you. We're not. We're all gonna leave. Yeah. We'll all play another sport. And yet in the NBA, that becomes commonplace, and it's killing me. And I think it is killing the game because no one gives a shit about the regular season anymore. Regular season ratings were down. Yes. The sport's making tons of money though Huge. because they're they are the best at advertising. They let individuals be individuals, which mm-hmm. is so smart. I wish baseball would take several pages out of that book. Uh, I just I don't know. Is there a way to fix it? Or are we just at the point where this is just commonplace? Guys are going to get together for brunch and pick their spot. I think it's just going to be commonplace. These guys want to go for the championship. Their whole life they've been told, go for the championship. And the best way to do it now, especially when you have other people doing it, with even though they say LeBron and them started, I think it started a long time before that with uh, the Boston Celtics in 19, oh, was that 2009. They got together in like 08, 09 but, but they did it more organically. Yeah, they traded. Trades, yeah. yeah. So it wasn't like, I'm going to this on free agency. So when LeBron started, it's like, okay, he did win two championships. And then when KD came over to Golden State, he won a couple championships. 
it's kind of the thing now, and now it's broken up. So the new team will be the Lakers or be uh, uh, Brooklyn if KD ever gets healthy next year. It's the new wave of how basketball is done. Too bad our team here in Chicago. I'm not a fan of the Bulls because I don't care if they win or lose, but I am definitely an enemy of John Paxson and Gar Foreman because they've just been staying here forever, never any accountability. That's the one thing I just hate about Bulls Twitter yesterday, just coming over themselves about Thomas Sadaransky and damn Thaddeus Young. Oh, great moves. Like, no, they're not great moves. In Bulls Bulls world currently, yeah, great moves. But in anybody else's moves, Thomas Sadaransky is a bum. He's coming off the bench. He won't start for the Bulls. That's the thing. Yeah. He won't start for the damn Bulls. Like, if he does, your team is fucked. They're just in this whole... We're drafting seventh every year, purgatory. Yeah, like that's not cool. That's not like we're not joining in the NBA Twitter. No one wants to come here. There's no discussions, and we're producing all the players. Anthony Davis, Chicago. We have, we have players out there. Taylor Horton Tucker from Chicago. We have all the good players. The Dwayne Wade, he came from Chicago for one year. Derrick Rose like when he was old as hell. Derrick Rose. No one's coming to Chicago because man, that's where I grew up. I would love that for my. My legacy, Patrick Beverly's like, no, nah, I'm staying out here in L.A. I'm good. Is it, Clippers. Is it, I think a lot of it started with the fact, not anymore, because these young guys don't give a shit about that. But I knew during the Floyd era, Tim Floyd era, after Phil Jackson, after the last three-peat, that people legitly looked at the Bulls' ownership going like, this. they ran Jordan out of town. Yeah. They broke up a good thing for what reason? They wanted to bring this Iowa State coach in. Like, what is? Yeah, I don't want to go play for a team that's going to disrespect the greatest basketball player of our time. And it felt that way. Yeah, I'll never forget that moment when Ryan Zorf's handing Jordan a cigar after that last, you know, the shot against Utah in you know Game Six, and they won in '98. And Jordan just kind of gave him look like, "I'll take the cigar from you." You know, I'm in too good a mood to really give you shit right now, even though I'd like to. Yeah, but I'm riding this high of doing what I just did. I mean, just think of how many more championships. If they would just let that go for a couple more years. They could have easily won in 99 because 99 was half a season. Yeah, they could have beat the Spurs easily. Oh, imagine, yes, because that, even though the Bulls were older, so Jordan would have been age 36, but he was only he would only play 50 games. Yeah. People forget Jordan played all 82 the second three-peat. Mm-hmm. That's what makes me laugh when LeBron two years ago finally played all 82. It was the first time and still only time in his career where he played all 82. And that's not a knock on LeBron. That's just the way the game's changed yeah. where – Maybe it's a smarter strategy not to play the second game of a back-to-back because we'll keep your legs fresher throughout the longer season. I'm not even knocking it. Kel Rupin Jr. famously, the Ironman record, 2,100 games in a row. Yeah. A lot of people make the point where he had a few days off. He probably would have put better overall numbers. Yeah. But he's a Hall of Famer either way. But I, So I'm not even knocking that strategy. But when people go nuts for something that was commonplace, that's where I do get a little bit like, no, no, look, yeah, it's nice he played all 82, but it's not special. Yeah. And I th- think Jordan had a different mentality too. He's like – you know, firstly, these fans pay this money. I'm going to let them see me on the road dominate. Secondly, I can't let my own game wane. I'm going to hold myself and my teammates accountable for going hard every day. And Pippen said this the other day. He said he had like a, a stress fracture or some a herniated disc in his back during the finals. And Jordan's like, hey, man, I need you. I yeah. got I to have you. I got to have you. And, you know, usually with the herniated disc in your back, you're like, oh, man, I can't move. I can't do this. Jordan held these guys to a different standard. He held himself to a different standard. I'm sure Jordan. He was a sociopath, all for the, sure. <laughs> all, the, all the games and all the stuff that he did in his life, I'm sure he played with a lot of crippling injuries. Oh, definitely. Going against those bad boy Pistons, I'm sure they inflicted a couple of injuries against him. But oh, Jordan let me had debunk a, a sports myth. Can I debunk a sports myth? Can yeah. you brought the Pistons? Yeah. 
People always say the Bulls waited for the Pistons to get old. All, they're a big three, the Pistons. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars, Dennis Rodman, yeah. all under the age of 30. Yeah. How did they wait for them to get old when they were 28, 29, and 27? And That's primes. what their ages were. Yeah, in their prime. Isaiah was 29. Dumars was 27, Rob was 28. That's your prime. Yeah. Everyone's like, they wait for them to get old. It's so much like bullshit narrative that people just blindly accept. Mm-hmm. And look, I'm not expecting everyone to dig as deep as I do, but like do a little research. You must hate that being a producer because you see the calls coming in. Oh, yeah. What's your what's the worst? What's what kills you the most about fans nowadays? Well, and that's a loaded question. Well, trade offers. Whenever they try to <laughs> trade somebody, it's always Let's trade happen Russell for Whit Merrifield. Yeah, the, well, the Royals, guy they signed a five-year extension to. Yeah, the, the Royals Royal are on, the Royals are on the phone right now. They're enjoying that that deal. It's always some bad. You're bad player for this great player. I say if you're gonna do the trade thing, come with it. Like you gotta offer somebody who is of value, and they're never like never are they gonna trade somebody like I've um said they should the White Sox should trade Alex Colomay. They should trade him. Yesterday. Oh yeah, they don't need same, a, when you're rebuilding. You don't need a reliever yeah, like that. Same thing with James McCann. They should have. These guys are having outlier seasons, especially James McCann. I think they like McCann for Giolito though. But who I, knows? Yeah, but like he's not good for any other pitchers. That's true. All the rest of the pitchers are shit. So like trade them. Like they wait too long. They waited one year too long on Carlos Quinton. They waited long, one year too long on Avi Garcia. They waited oh, wow. one year. Names. They did did AJ right because he hit 28 home runs a career high and then they just didn't release him they just didn't resign him which was perfect don't resign him they waited one year too long for let Paul Konerko retire like just wait just i mean just at their height of their popularity trade them if you don't think this player is going to be that guy in the future is this an outlier season like i believe James McCann has never come close to this ever the same thing with the LA Angels I love Tom Hillestella, and I love oh, what he's I doing would, this yeah. year. Trade him immediately. He's yeah. not this guy. The Cubs need a second base when they might trade back for him. Yes, he's <laughs> not this guy. And if he is this guy, fuck it. No, he's, it's, I, I, hey, that's another thing, overreaction. People are like, all of a sudden Cubs fans hate Theo Epstein because Dan Vogelbach's an all-star. Dan Vogelbach is a DH who can't even play first base, yeah. and he took years to get good with Seattle. Yes. And we got the guy who got the last out of the World Series for him in Mike Montgomery. And, and he's blocked. What, would you rather Rizzo be gone, have Vogelbach at first? Yeah. Oh, Jorge Soler is finally putting it together? Fine, good. I'm happy for Soler. You got Wade Davis. Yeah, we got an all-star season out of a closer. Who Dave Davis isn't good anymore now. But like, we got our one year and let him go. You got your, we got to an NLCS with Davis. Or Glyber Torres. Like, you need it. We, yeah. You need it, Chapman. And even Eloy and Cease, no matter what they do, to me it, looked, it was like this. Who is going to help us more the next three years, Quintana or Eloy? And it was obviously Quintana. Yeah. Would we like to have won a ring with him? Would I have liked Quintana to have been a little bit better? Sure. Yeah. But to me, I'm like, look, you have to take these gambles. The team that's in a, in a championship contention will always give up a few guys that later they go, eh, it would be nice to keep them. Yeah, I'm, I'm just so pissed at Cup fans every time Quintana pitches. Like They're like, oh, we gave Eloy up for him. He should be this level. It's like he was a top 15 pitcher when they, get, when they traded him. Yeah. Like, he was John Lester. Like, the stats were eerily similar before they were. that. They were, yeah. And so, yeah, he hasn't performed, but I don't look at trades as the re- after the results. Yeah. I look at them, what happened when they traded him. And I'm not, not as a Sox fan looking at Eloy and, like, looking at Cup fans, ooh, look at Eloy. No, what I'm doing is, like, man, we got a great player. That's great. 
I think it. as a Cubs fan, it makes us look good that all these prospects are killing it with other teams because that means teams are going to want to trade with us. Yes, they're because they want to take a chance. You're fair. You're fair dealing. You know what? Kenny Williams started getting stopped getting good trades because all his players that got dealt away were bad. Or one time, the guy didn't pitch anymore. Mike Soraka. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and there's then he's like, "Well, do your due diligence." Like that's kind of. How do you, do you like the Sox new guy, Rick Hahn? Man, he's been there six years. The Tatis trades enough to be like motherfucker. I don't, <laughs> and that was your spot, San Diego. Yeah, I don't like him necessarily because because everybody else does. They they give him, they let him skate on things like this Alonzo thing. No one's looking back at Rick Hahn and saying, "Why the hell you trade for Manny Machado's brother-in-law? Just go and get Manny Machado if his brother-in-law wants to play with us. Fuck it, let yeah. him play." Or John Jay, who cares? Like he doesn't. They're half-assing things. Go and get people's family members instead of going to get the player with some true intentions. Offer them $300 million. I literally said this in January on the score. I said, if they're going to be pussyfooting around with the number that we heard, it was like around $190, $200 uh, million. I couldn't believe how low that number was, yeah. That is literally what, in the paper, that the San Diego ownership said, if the number is that, we can get in there. That's what made them go after Manny Machado because the White Sox and the rest of the MLB were bullshitting around with Manny Machado where he had already expressed, I want $300 million. Like, if I knew that, why not I talking to the, the agent and saying, cool, 10 years, 30, $300 million. That's what it ended up being. And he's going to be paying, as you know, buku bucks out of the ass for uh, ta- taxes as the top California? guy. California? Yeah. yeah, definitely. He's definitely going to be paying some taxes. And so there. Like, most of his games are in California. He's going to be paying a lot more. He could be made more, much more money here in Illinois and living in Florida. So if they would have came at 290, he would have been okay. Because I heard um, when the Cubs got John Lester, the San Francisco Giants actually offered him more. Mm-hmm. But tax, taxes are better in Illinois than California, so yeah. it worked out. And he experienced some of that when he was in Oakland for that, what, three, four months. Oh, that's right. I forget he was an A there. Yeah, so, yeah, that's this is uh, this is why I don't like Rick Hahn. He gets way too much credit. Everything good with the White Sox is Rick Hahn. Everything bad is Kenny Williams. I put them all together. Yeah, that is true. I, get a, that, I didn't, never really thought of that because, to be honest – the, this rebuild could should be a year ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. There's been a few trades that just, I you know. I mean, you look at Fernando Tatis Jr. right now. <sighs> Good Lord. Like, the White Sox weren't really even in it in 2016. And they went for James Shields. Yeah, and James Shields had just Who given only up. only could get Chris Bryant out. Had just yeah. given up 10 runs in Seattle. I remember I did the game at uh, the Mighty 1090 that day. The day after Ron Fowler, the owner, the uh, chairman of the Padres, said that he's garbage, he's shit. And we should trade him, pretty much. And then the White Sox traded for him, like, the start after that. It that was, was incredible. Yeah, so he wasn't like it was James Shields kicking ass. It was James Shields being shitty. The Sox being were the in James a weird Shields. limbo there for huh? a little bit. Not to cut you off, the White yeah. Sox were in a weird little spot there where I felt like they kept making moves like that just to show their, like, Todd Frazier and a few guys like that were like, hey, fans, please, we're not, we're not, you know, we think we could win this year. Yeah. When I think a lot of real Sox fans, or smart ones at least, were like, Fuck it. Do what the Cubs did. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. There's no glory in winning 79, 80 games. I don't want to just be below 500 just after it. Let's actually have a competitive window. Let's go young. Let's get these studs. Let's copy what they did, which makes sense. I always think in every profession, James, you and I have talked about this too. If you see someone who's killing it at something, it's not ripping them off. You're inspired by them, yes. and you're just, you could tweak it your own way. Yeah. Like I know comedians where I'm like, uh, oh, yeah, you know why that person has a lot of followers? Because they actually do a lot of tweets. Yeah. See what the people who are doing that are successful and then just, you know, get some inspiration out of that. Uh, the last thing I want to wrap up with you because I know you got to go to work mm-hmm. and we got to finish it real quick. You get political on Twitter as well. Yes. So you probably get some backlash from people saying, hey, stick to sports. Yeah, all the time. 
all the time, right? Annoying because it's like, hey, I'm an individual. I can talk about whatever the hell I want, mm-hmm. which I agree with. I'm cool with that. But I also respect that you have, like with the whole Michael Jackson thing, you could separate things. Because as a Cubs fan right now, I will get some shit from people going like, how do you root for the Cubs because of ownership and their ties? And it makes me laugh because I'm like, okay, you've been – this is just this is the Twitter age, I call it, yeah. where everything is – history is three years old. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, because the Tribune wasn't – the Tribune in their history – and also, I don't care. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Would I like everyone to agree with me on everything? Of course, sure. Mm-hmm. But I understand that people are different, and that's okay too. The Tribune – it was a paper that started in the 1880s. In their history, only endorsed one Democrat, and that was because he was Barack Obama from Chicago. Mm-hmm. People, for, that was a huge Republican paper. Sam Zell Yo. before the Ricketts Zone. That guy was. You, you ever see um, in the movie Pretty Women? Rich, Richard uh, Gere's character is a venture capitalist, where he's like, "I buy up these companies and break them into money." He's like, "It was evil what he was doing." Yeah, that's what Sam Zell did. Mm-hmm. He would step. Oh, you're a small business owner. I give a fuck. I'll end you. Like that's what his crazy business world mindset was. And yeah, the Ricketts. I don't agree. I don't. I don't support the Trump administration whatsoever. Donating money to them, all that stuff. Yeah, that sucks. All that kind of stuff. But at least they do. Tom seems to be pretty moderate. Yeah. The sister Laura, who's twenty five percent owner, was a huge donor to Hillary. Yeah. Um, and they do put money into the team. Mm-hmm. Did they? Did it seem like they got a little cheap this year? Yeah, but still second highest payroll. Stadium has to be improved. Putting things in. Ticket prices are a little too high. But it does crack me up where I'm like. What do you think? You think these guys are all saints? Yeah. yeah. I mean, is there an owner? I mean, there's maybe one or two that are probably good, but most of these, if, you, if you're a billionaire, you've stepped on some throats along the way. Yeah. I mean, my philosophy is pretty much I'm liberal, Democrat. And so I think that every single owner should be Republican, should be uh, the, the exactly opposite of what I'm thinking. I know Ryan Surf donated to both Republican and uh, Democratic candidates in the past, but. Old rich white men, yeah, I default oh. to being rich and fucking a Republican. I, they Reinsdorf different... was against labor though because that's ninety four strike. He led that. Yeah, and so yeah, I he was you know he's on the wrong side so, of that. Yeah, if you're if you're thing. choosing your team on based upon the ownership, you're going by on the wrong way. Yeah, if I was a Cub fan, I would be dismayed by what they're doing as far as the ownership. But also, I'm a Cub fan. I was there before them. Fuck them. I'll still root on the team. I don't want them taking it away from me. Yeah. As a fan, I've waited my whole life for them to be dominant. They're finally been dominant these last four or five years. And and some stupid political shit, which all people at that level, too, these billionaires, they don't really give a fuck about the candidate. They're hedging no. their bets. Yeah. People forget companies like Starbucks donate to both sides. They're hedging their shit. Do I think the Ricketts really love Trump? No, I don't. But I think they see it as an opportunity for them. Yeah. Oh, uh, we give him some money, and then it opens up some doors for us. Because they were they were giving millions of dollars to what Cruz or who was their guy? Yeah. Jeb Bush wanted there was someone else. I Scott think, Walker maybe. Maybe he I don't know. Shit. But like, but his son looks like Ted Cruz. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. He's actually a really nice guy. Tom Ricketts. I met him when I did Anthony Rizzo's charity event, and. Talked to him for like 15 minutes, and I even gave him outs because I remember thinking, like, why is he talking to me so long? We just met. I haven't even performed yet. I mean, one thing if he saw me kill him was like, dude, you're funny. Let's, I want to get to know you. Mm-hmm. But I just talked to him about random baseball stuff. You know what's funny, actually? During that conversation, he said he was um, – because they just signed Brandon Morrow the day before. Okay. And he goes, let's hope the Dodgers didn't pitch him into the ground because that's my one fear with him. And we talked about that I mean, a little bit. But we're, we're, I mean, I could have I told him that that was not going to work out. Well, the whole thing was that they were never supposed to pitch him three days in a row, and Madden did. And then I a mean, week later, he got hurt. And that's when the, the first notions of Theo being like Madden's done yeah. was because of that, because Theo was adamant, do not pitch him three days in a row. I don't care what the circumstance is. He did. 
and it was a game they were they were up by land up taking a big lead in the eighth, mm-hmm. but he had him warmed up. Yeah. I don't know. I, I love Joe Madden, but it doesn't. The writing on the wall seems a little bit like if they don't win the World Series, he might go. I mean, especially I, if Francona becomes available. Yeah, um, I don't know if he's he's long for this team, like which is weird. And uh, the soonest the Cubs fire him, I want the White Sox to hire him. I'm not a manager's matter as far as wins and losses, but whatever Joe Madden does as far as team chemistry, the locker room, the clubhouse chemistry. It seems like it works. That's where his strengths are. Yeah, he's not a he's not an X's and O's guy to no. me. Um, he's he takes in the new information, everything like that. That's great. I'm for that. The way he handles a bullpen is my biggest gripe with him. Um, but yeah, I think people forget how young that Cubs team that won the World Series was, and they had those moments along the way that every Cubs fan would be like, oh, "I'm going to see that highlight the rest of my life." Javi Byers had two errors in Game Seven. I remember the one who was an easy routine double play that he dropped on the turn and they got no outs. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking in that moment, going, that's going to be the highlight I'm going to see if we blow this game. <laughs> like the way you'd see, like, oh, the ball through De- Leon Durham's legs, you know, all those like little errors that Cubs would have to, you know, the, the Bartman play, the Alex Gonzalez booted double play. I remember going, that's, and then I would try to come over fight that. Yeah. Because I hate fans who do the whole thing where it's like, well, this happened 20 years ago, so therefore it's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. Really, these are different human beings who happen to be wearing the same shirt you recognize. Exactly. It's, it's so stupid to compare eras that way. Exactly. Anyway, Herb, dude, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. I got to have you on again because you and I could probably do whole hours on a million different subjects. Herb, tell everyone where they could find you. They can find me on Twitter at Ecknerall23. I think also on Instagram, same thing. Barely on Facebook, but it's Herb Lawrence. Yeah, Eckner Wall is your name back, your last name backwards. Yes. And uh, the good old 23. Robin Ventura. Robin Ventura. Yeah, not Michael Jordan. My mom went on a date with Robin Ventura's cousin when I was like seven, Joe Ventura. Fun fact for everybody. That's good. And she's been listening to my podcast lately, so she's going to be like, oh, I heard you mention this. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to Killgown's Pub. You can check out my album. The Patreon, I uploaded some stuff recently on that. So subscribe to the Patreon. Uh, you get a bunch of cool bonus content, plus a download link to my album, Can't Complain, which was number one on the iTunes comedy charts for, for a day and a half there. Um, but, yeah, thanks for checking it out. Tell your friends. And, um... Uh, more big announcements along the way, so just keep uh, tuning in to Kill Gallons Pub. Cheers.